Welcome to the new day, my fellow thinkers. I'm coming to you from dusty, musty, crusty Buffalo, New York. And I am your host, Logan Eldine Misseline. And welcome to today's Paula's Thoughts. So, everybody, how is your week shaping up? How are things going? It's Friday. It's wonderful. It's dusty, musty, crusty. The streets are littered with cottonwood fluffs. June bugs have officially invaded the airspace with their wandering, meandering little flights of death in between cars. I don't, I don't get them. I don't know why they can't really grab onto things until they do. Like you try to make them grab on something and they can't. I, I just, I, I don't know how they survive every year. It's just, it's one of my biggest mysteries in life. Um, other than that, I've had a pretty grueling week i'm still getting this done on friday so that's a good sign i guess mm. Mm. sorry everybody just, just enjoying the sweet cool refreshing water but to this week i don't know there hasn't been a lot going on other than work and i've just been noticing a lot of things on instagram and stuff and the one thing that's like really like pissing me off lately because Obviously, I'm an outdoors person. Obviously, I'm a hunter, dude. So I like guns. I like pistols. I like rifles. I like shotguns. I like all that good stuff. You know, I'm I'm old school, but I I like I like some new stuff too. Like I I enjoy that stuff. I've enjoyed it since I was like ten. But the thing that's been pissing me off lately is to keep seeing these videos of these dudes and these chicks showing off their fancy pistols, and they're like holding it up, and you're getting a profile view, and they're just they're just shooting into the air with this whole loose grip. They're just bam, 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 bam. That doesn't. They're not blanks. I see the cartridge coming out. It's not like some fancy dancy uh, airsoft pistol. Like there's recoil. There's a shell. Uh, they they loaded the magazine up right in front of your face. I mean, they're cool looking guns. But what are you doing? Like, ugh, it pisses me off so bad. And then, like, on top of that, there's also these videos of, like, these people, and they're obviously in the middle of a city. I don't care how rural it is. Like. They don't look foreign all the time. They don't. It doesn't look like it's some foreign country all the time. I mean, sometimes it looks like it's obviously in some other country, which I guess makes more sense. But they're just in the middle of a town square, just shooting straight up and not even straight up in the air, like at an angle, like shooting into the air. You know, so I saw this woman shooting like this rifle on her doorstep, and I it just was so. It's just so mind boggling to me. Like, how on earth does anybody think that's safe? I think the worst one that I saw was it was this. And this is totally the most American thing you can do. But there's this bride and groom, and they're at their wedding reception. And they're, But the problem is, is that they're in the middle of a group. They're in a parking lot. I mean, obviously, it's probably somewhere pretty rural, you know, because it doesn't look like a town. Like, it just looks like a, like a shooting range. But, like, they're, like, she's shooting into the air amongst all of her friends. Okay, all of her friends are dancing around her. And then here comes her husband at a pretty lazy angle to go pretty up, doing that whole fancy finger trick shooting super fast like right there with everybody everybody is right there next to him in front of him beside him behind him what the fuck is going on everybody this is the most annoying thing to me because here here if you don't understand why i'm so angry about this is because there is a concept with with gun users with normal good using ethical people is is it's safety safety 100 safety okay that bullet doesn't just travel to where you can see it. They go thousands and thousands of feet per second. Okay, like they're insanely fast. All right. I mean, like you hear all these statistics of like, oh, 40 bullets in a second. Like, mm, 
like be careful with that stuff but they go fast enough and that's part of their the velocity they do is part of the damage they do unless you shoot straight i mean like scientifically straight up in the air that bullet can do damage all the way that it travels mythbusters i mean i don't know how much they this is true but they shot straight in the air and the bullet landed well not necessarily safely but without like lethal force like it landed on site onto the ground but if you do it at any which angle, that can still hurt people. I, especially, like, you're, you don't know where that bullet is traveling. Like, yeah, you know, shooting straight in the air is safer than shooting into metal. Is shooting even, sometimes even in the ground, depending on the situation. But, 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 like, that's one thing if you're, like, needed to discharge. But no, 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 no. Like, like that's where you should do accidental or you're shooting shotgun, all right? Like, you shouldn't be shooting rifle or pistol bullets into the air. Like, I don't understand. Like, especially if you're in your home, like, chances are, like, if you're in your home area, you're, you're there, there's some outlying city around you. There's some outlying population around you. Like, come on, people. Come on. Cut the shit. Cut the shit. What, what, what is, especially if you're American, you know better, you dumbass, you know better, and I don't mean to rag on anybody, but, like, you honestly, are you, are you really thinking straight when you're showing off to Instagram by shooting your pistol in the middle of the air? Like, no. If you're gonna really show off, and it's okay to show off, I wanna show off, the first time I get my fancy-dancy little 1911 or whatever, like, and, like, refurbish it myself, I'm damn straight gonna show it online. Are you serious? I've worked hard for that thing. Especially with New York laws, like, I worked hard for that, but I'm going to put my bullets where I know they're going to be safe to put. Downrange. Into a tree. Into a into a berm. Into dirt. Like, at a considerable... At a safe distance. I'm not going to... And I'm not... I, sure as hell. Not going to shoot when someone's in front of me. Around me. Especially if, I'm, if, if I do get into fancy-dancy tricks. Like, fucking fing, like finger-blasting it. And <laughs> pun intended. Um, But... Or, like, whatever West you know, fancy Western shit you can do. Like, you know this guy ain't gonna be doing none of that. So cut it out. You're giving us a bad name. Holy crap. Sorry. I mean, I, and if, if you're from a foreign country, like, if you know that there's nobody there for like three miles, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't care. Like, as long as it's like you, you know that direction. But when you're in the middle of a city, I mean, the one thing that disturbed me is there's some competition in some country where they're literally taking these high-power rifles. Or, I mean, they, they certainly make a bigger dust cloud than a 22 should. And they're, like, f flipping them, dancing, and they're, like, deliberately shooting into the ground while it's moving. Like, and they're, and they, I mean, they, it's, it's beautiful. It looks cool. But it's, like, what are you doing? You're shooting a rifle round into the ground in the middle of a city. You're flying it around. Like, what happens when you pull the trigger and, oops, there you go, like, Sergio and... Um, what's his nuts? Both get killed with one bullet. Like what on earth? Like it, it, it was just—it's so mind-boggling to me. Like they're tools, they're not toys. They're really—that's using it like a toy. If you want to do stuff like that, get an airsoft pistol, or like it has kickback, but it shoots a BB, like a plastic BB. Come on, people. Come on. Wise up. Oh, I—I I, I don't know how old I sound when I say this stuff, or how pretentious I sound. But I don't care. This is about people's safety. I cannot wait until somebody gets a call from the police being like, hey, somebody heard that you were shooting on your thing and somebody so-and-so, like some so-and-so from so far away got hit with your bullet. We we know it's you. We You know, like we know it came from your gun. Like we know you. 
come into the station or or, or something you know like if 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 a if a park ranger or a uh of a uh, if a natural resources officer can figure out that you on public land shot a 22 into the air and were pointed in an incorrect direction and it penetrated through two walls and a window of a house if they can figure that out about you i know for a damn fact they're gonna find your ass okay they're they're gonna figure it out like especially if you keep doing it come on come on i get it i get it. i love shooting fun stuff i love shooting shotguns in the air it's a lot of fun especially if you have a target especially if you know something can take the impact you know or you know you have a safe direction all right i get it i 100 percent get your right, your choice, whatever. I'm just saying, think of the safety issue. Just, just think for two seconds. If you think for two seconds and think of where that bullet's gonna, gonna kind of go, whatever. If you're right in front of public land, uh, I mean, and if you're doing hunting season, I want. Why the hell would you do that? But you know, if you know no one's in there, it's some remote part of the backcountry. Yeah, whatever. I guess so. Whatever. But people think. Just think for a moment. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry, everybody. That was a tangent. That was a rant. Holy crap. Sorry. That, uh, I just had to get that off my chest to somebody other than my wife. She's been giving me the stink eye for days now. I was like, won't shut up about it. Okay, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. All righty. <sighs> Boom. All right. Okay. So, obviously, this week is taxidermy. And I'm going to go into taxidermy. I'm going to talk about all about it, and I'm not going to talk about it just for hunting, okay? I'm not just going to buy it like, you know, like I'm some quote-unquote trophy hunter and I want my cougar mount. Like, no. This goes way deeper than just hunting and just killing animals. There's so much more to taxidermy, and I'm so excited to talk about this. So I'm going to give you a small break from me and listen to something good for once, and I'll talk to you guys in a minute. Thanks for listening. So, welcome back, everybody. So, I'm going to start off with this week's question. I asked everybody, and I'm, I'm super happy for everybody that responded to it. Thank you so much. That really helped. That was so much fun. I know it was only a few of you, but I really liked that. It was really cool. Um, I always appreciate when anybody responds to my plies for attention. I, I, I love you guys. But the thing is, is that I asked, is taxidermy ethical? And you can assume that I find taxidermy to be ethical, okay? Like, obviously. Okay, this this isn't too much to infer from even, like, the title of my um, episode. Okay, I personally do. I've always loved it. I've always been enthralled by it. I've always wanted to try it. And then realizing how much real work goes into it and how much artistic work goes into it. And I said, never mind. But I really do appreciate it. It, it, it some of my vulture culture stuff that's part of the taxidermy like the gluing and stuff i consider that kind of similar thing especially if i were to put it into um, a mount of some sort like a or a european mount or some skeleton mount or something like that you know articulated skeleton i would consider that taxidermy but that's besides the point you can argue me with that all you want that's not what i'm talking about okay so some of you said no some of you said you didn't find it and that's okay i'm i'm cool with you I might. I mean, don't come at me, but I'm cool with you. Like, there, I've known people that don't think taxidermy is okay. I, I can understand why you don't think it's okay. I can understand. Boo, I ain't mad at you. So, you know, obviously, I 
I just explained why I like it. Okay, I just I've always been enthralled of it. At, at one point, I wanted to you know get a raccoon and uh, uh like trap one and and uh, get it mounted eating mac and cheese. I don't know why mac and cheese, but it it, it was just a thing. And I thought I was going to become a comedian with a little puppet of uh uh, uh raccoon. It, this was the weirdest one of the weirdest points in my life. I legitimately thought I was going to become a comedian, and I was gonna have a raccoon be my puppet or kind of like I would like project my thoughts through the stuffed raccoon. Like I thought I was going to be funny that way. I thought I had jokes. I thought I told them to my family and they just nodded and smiled and just knew that I'd give up on it. But it was, I, I don't know what came over me. I was in the middle of a cabin and saw this taxidermy mount in a magazine. I'm like, I am going to be a comedian. Don't know why I thought that. I really don't. It, obviously that hasn't at all picked up anything. It just was whatever. But, Let's dig deeper into taxidermy, everybody, okay? Okay. So, if we were to view taxidermy as an object, or as a dead animal, would you see a difference instead of a dead animal? So, if you see taxidermy, okay, that it's no longer truly an animal, okay? It obviously has all the physical properties of, of looking like one. But what if I told you that it's only the skin and some teeth? Okay, that's it. We, I mean, you sometimes keep the bones, it depends, but for the most part, the only thing about taxidermy is the hide, and some of the teeth, and obviously the antlers, or the horns, or whatever animal you're mounting, okay? So, taking that, and if you didn't know that, like, here we go, I didn't know that for a long time, um, you know, what, is there really, a, like, a difference? Is it, is it changed into something else? Has it become an object? Is it now just purely an object, the same as your purse, the same as your books, you know, both sometimes are made of organic material. You know, is it a can is it just like a candle? Is it like a piece of art? Is it a sculpture? You know, is that what it is? You know, or is it still just like a dead animal that's been stuffed? I mean, technically, I guess, but you know, the you know, is there truly like enough of the animal to left from that taxidermy mount to be to be that anymore? Is there any part of it left? Is there enough of it? Is is just skin, just the teeth, just the antlers enough to still be a dead animal that's hanging on my wall it is that you know this just gets kind of cerebral so it's, it's kind of like a objective so this isn't like directly trying to convince you of something it's just kind of like an interesting thing to think about um i looked a lot into this i found some actual uh, academic journals which was so weird for me and like i usually don't do stuff like that some guy was doing his phd on this so i just i, I took some stuff from him some ideas uh, i'll give credit to him in the the show notes i don't have his name on this notes right now but Kudos to you, my man. Um, you know, is there really, like, you know, has there been too much processing of this organic material to be quote-unquote real anymore? Um, you know, in my opinion, it's a recreation of reality. You know, it's an object because, you know, it's... Because, what, because it's now become something that, depending on the person and depending on the social-slash-cultural connotations to taxidermy the viewpoint of it changes the way that it's seen changes you know you look at an animal i mean obviously there's cultural things when you look at an animal when you look at an animal like it has behavior it has movement it has its own will and it can change that on its own but an object has no control of itself like if i look, if we looked at microwaves and thought they were nuclear bombs waiting to explode and we threw them all out like they would never have any worth anymore you know when we look at them like we use we use those tools you know it's a similar thing like that you know it the, the 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 connotation of its experience is directly derived from the social cultural aspects of a single person viewing it 
you know, it's become an object, um, you know, because, you know, we, we put into it what we want to get out of it. It's now become something that we use. And this might sound really harsh, especially when talking about animals and stuff, but this is, this is how humans are. This is how the world works. And especially before technology, uh, you know, where if we had videos and all this stuff where you could see animals, you know, if we wanted to learn, this was our only resource, you know? So, like, take a polar bear mount, okay, in an old museum, a Victorian-era polar bear mount, okay? So, if you're going to go back in time, all right, you know, you might know of polar bears because there's an animal cracker, there's a picture, okay, there's a painting. You know, who knows if that's even accurate, you know? Who knows if they're even really real? But somebody goes out to um, the far north, and they bring back a polar bear. Okay, and they bring back a polar bear pelt, and somebody mounts it. Somebody puts it into a pose. You know, a, realist, a, a somewhat realistic pose. And you take your kids and you go to that museum and you stand in front of there and you have a physical mental marker now that polar bears do exist. That it, they're not just some storytelling thing. Like, they, they're legit. You have that visual thing. And you you, you learn just like humans do through this visual res, resource. You know, you can, you can see how tall it is. You can see how big the claws and the teeth are and the expression that it could make right before it munches on your, on, on, on your neck, you know. You get that marker, you know. Um, it, it was interesting because he was talking about this, and like, you know, it's he said he described it as being the ultimate form of domestication. And this sounds really oppressive, but like, is it really? You know, it's like, you know, it's authentic, yet it's docile. And that's a quote from this this uh, this article. I will give credit to. I'm not just gonna steal this. You know, it's authentic yet docile. Like you can approach this animal now. It's now safe to approach. There's no reason for you to not go and, you know, get up all up in its grill and really study its morphology. You know, you get to see that. You get to experience that as if you were really there. You know, it's safe. You know, especially when, you know, if you don't have videos to see behavior, you know, what's the next best thing? Boom, you get to see the actual animal in its prime, you know, forever. You know, you get to come back and, you know, if you miss something, you get to know, annotate it again. You know, and, and, and with that, obviously, obviously, since this is such a charged subject sometimes, taxidermy leaves this mystical, uh, mystical, eth ethereal imprint on you when, you when you're seeing it. When you go up to a taxidermy mount, like, are you, how are you not at all, like, our, we, we are so in tune with animals and we love animals so much when you get to see a physical part of an animal skin or bones or whatever your whole entire body is like revolved onto that like you, you i don't care if you hate it even if you hate it you're still getting enthralled by it when you're up and against it i mean obviously if you see the same one every single day you take it for granted but like anytime you go to a museum and you're like oh my god that's a texture like that's what an animal would look like your brain automatically does this as automatical temporal physical experience with the mount there's no reason that you shouldn't like it's absolutely a part of us to do that you know and then obviously like you know since the only part of it is the the skin you, you know there's legitimately a sculpture underneath that mount you know they used to kind of stuff it with hay and stuff and try to fill it up the best it could but obviously that doesn't work as good now we have polyurethane forms or foam forms or i don't even know what the forms are made of really but I, I know that they're legitimately sculpted. Like some people, like especially the like deepest, most professional people go into things, they sculpt their own. Sometimes they have animals that nobody's ever seen before. Nobody's ever done taxidermy on before. Some small little thing from South America somebody sent up. Like, 
you know, the judges haven't ever even seen one either, so they're Googling it up and looking at pictures being like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty good. Um, you know, going with that, you know, you, you know, it's, you know, it's a sculpture, but it's intended to re recreate a type and of the animal. And so what, like, what, what I mean by a type is that it's like, maybe not necessarily the perfect specimen, but like, like a, almost a stereotypical uh, specimen. It's supposed to represent like the animal and it's maybe not its purest form, but like it's, you know, almost average form. Like when you're looking at this, you can really like be pretty sure that you're going into the wild. You will see one that looks just like this, you know, this, you know, this polar bear, I'm going to keep using this as an example. Like you're going to go out there and, you know, you know, maybe there's some small little features that they messed up on, but like for the most part, most polar bears look like this mount. It's a type of the specimen, especially if they went extinct. This would be the only example that we have of this animal. It's the type. It's the it's this it's the example. It's the setting. It's it's the it's the standard, especially for you know if it's the only taxidermy mount you've ever seen, and that can be really bad depending on what taxidermy you see because it can get it's really hard. But you know, there's a lot that goes into it. It is an art. You know, it's a sculpture. It has an art. And the biggest thing about it is that you have to have a knowledge of not only the anatomy. I mean, you think about it like, oh, I see, I see, a, I see a bird all the time. I'm just going to sit there and put the skin on a mouth. Like, I'm just going to do this. Like, no, you cannot do that. You cannot just put it on. You have to have an in-depth knowledge of the anatomy. But you also have to have a pretty good idea of its behavior, how it acts in the wild. Because how on earth, like, you know, if you didn't know how polar bear moved or stood, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, have it doing like MC Hammer Pants, you know, like, you're just like, ah. Like, you know, some weird cheesy, you're going to put your own human emotions into it. You know, some of the worst taxidermy I see is because they've anthropomorphized this animal. They, they put this human emotion into it. They didn't put the animalistic emotion. Obviously, they reflect on one another. Sometimes, you know, they look like, you know, they're making human faces. But when you put yourself into it so much, it's not the animal. It's you. You're, you're, you're making a mirror. And an art is an expression of self. But sometimes art, you know, if, especially if you're going to do kind of a scientific art, you've got you to stay true. You've got to keep that authentic. I, I really like how this thing is described the taxidermy as being an authentic thing. And I'm really going to kind of pick up on that, you know. And, uh, you know, you know, though it appears to be an antiquated, taxidermy is 100% still really, 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 really valuable today. There's, the, it, you know, it's not just for hunters you know it's not just for a dude who wants to go to africa and shoot a giraffe and make a table out of the lakes it's not just for this dude in virginia who got this giant monolith of a buck and he wants to keep it up on his wall for a, an ego treat and i'm gonna talk about that later too it's not just for the duck hunter who wants to show off his favorite duck. You know, it's not just about that. It's not just for stuffy old white people who are super rich. You know, it's 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 not just for that. There's so many mother, so many mother. There's so many other connotations that you know it brings to people, and there's so many other examples that it helps in this world today. And I'm gonna talk about those. So, you know, try as you might to explain that video we have videos of their behavior we can see their anatomy through videos and all these other resources and and all these things but how many times have you gone into a new field a new hobby a new anything that has something to do with the physical tangible world 
and you've watched videos after videos after videos and articles after articles after articles and books after books after books and you still when you get to that physical experience of getting there whether it's rock climbing whether it's painting or anything you lit- you might have a, a, a mental understanding but the physical tangible physiological aspect of it you have no idea you are completely wind swept by it you you have a better idea and you might have a better understanding and you might be more advantaged in learning this new skill or having a better idea about this new uh, aspect of life but it's still nothing it still it still does not apply everything that you learn does not apply yet you can't apply it you still have to learn how to analog your way through into it the same thing goes with taxidermy i'm not saying that we should we shouldn't have you know planet earth or uh, other things like books and, and videos and you know, of anything of, of animals. They're, they're wonderful resources, absolutely. But all I'm saying with that is that the, uh, the physical representation of, the, of this creature, it leaves so much a, a, such a deeper impact or imprint on you, yourself, even your body, than even a video will. You know, it's, it's specifically with that, you know, it's like you need you know, there's two sides of the coin. We we have the ability, especially nowadays, to have both. We can see the behavior, and then we can also see the physiological um, aspects and attributes. We get to have both. We, we don't have to rely on scientists 100%. We don't have to rely on anybody 100% like to just take their word for it on the behavior. We can... Go. We can see it anywhere we want to. On top of that, if we can be exposed to taxidermy, we can actually get a better physical marker in our minds of where these animals are placed in our lives. Another way to look at this is, you know, you're going to read The Hobbit. Okay, we're going to use this for example. We're going to read The Hobbit, all right? So, like, you as a person, you're going to physically pick it up and you're going to read it. You're going to read every word. You're going to you're gonna brush through it. You're going to read through it deeply. You're going you're gonna to let the eye scan over the physical token or the physical marker that is the paper all right you're gonna read through it okay somebody else is gonna hear it on audio tape okay they're gonna be driving to work they don't have time to read they're gonna hear it all right so with this is that you're still gonna know the story either way like the biggest aspects the biggest intrigue of the biggest plot twists you're you're gonna you're gonna know you're gonna know them absolutely but it's gonna have a slightly different experience it's it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to pick up on different things. I do it all the time. Every time I listen to a book, I'm like, oh, I didn't ever notice that. Because each experience is slightly different. They each have a slightly different aspect on the narrative of this story. You know, it's you're you're going to pick up on different things. You know, you're going to you're 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 going to really you're going to it's going to change your whole aspect. And then when you combine them together, you're going to have a like to to your person, especially if you read it once physically and then you listen to it once once. Uh, sorry, just fumbled my words there. So if you read the book once and then you immediately go and you listen to the book again, or if you like give it enough time so it's kind of like out of your mind, you're not fresh, you're not picking up on the same things, you're unbiased in it. You're gonna have to your experience, to your mind, to your narrative, the first initial things that would pick up, you're gonna meld them together and you're gonna have even better aspect i mean i'm sure you could do it either way if you listen to it four times you probably get the same experience if you read it four times you're gonna probably get the same experience from both you're gonna pick up on something different every time but especially when it's something that becomes so physical in this life and there's something so you know it's not just you you have there is so much more to it you kind of need both 
No, there's no way I could have understood how an Oriole, even from a video, truly in, 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 inflicted itself, or not inflicted, implicated its behavior in the habitat that's around me, unless I went and saw it with my own eyes. You know, I could have had somebody take a video of that place, but you still have to have somebody physically go to that place and videotape it. You still have to do that. You still have to have that physical, tangible experience. You know, it's just, it's just something to think about. Like, that's kind of like how I would explain the purpose of taxidermy. It's just the other half of the narrative of wildlife in this modern day of technology. You know, and it's, you know, and another reason that it's still around, it still has a market. There's still a market for it, excluding excluding the modern day hunting where, like, the new taxidermy, I mean old taxidermy, and there's an, there was an old market and the new market. All, all of that, like, I mean, the new market being nowadays. You know, the old market, you can go to certain websites, I can even link to them if you're interested, that you can buy Victorian era mounts, uh, skull, skull mounts, full mounts, everything. You can find them, and they're they're expensive as hell. But there's a market for it, you know, a little commie booster. You know, there's there's still they're still around, they're still relevant. You know, they still have stories, even if you don't know the real story anymore. You know, they still has a story. Um, you know, of where that came from. And there's it, it goes into how you know, things are in a constant state of change. But, you know, the person or this taxidermy, if they're going to do this and not only be good at it, but also professional, ethical and all that, it, 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 you know, it, they're going to mount the animal as authentically uh, to its life as possible, to the behavior, to the anatomy, to everything. They're going to put in the time, the work, the artistry, the science. They're going to put it all together. And they're going to make sure that, that animal is 100% accurate to their ability. And a lot of people do really well. They do a really good job. It used to be where they just, you just, you just stuffed it to the point where it kind of filled out the skin, and you get a kind of a good idea. You, you we've seen this. The, the, the picture I put on for this announcement of this of, of this week's thing was a horrible bear mount. Oh, and everyone knows that terrible cat mounts and memes nowadays. A little white cat kind of going like, "What's up?" Like you know, terrible. that's what I was talking about. You know, when you put your own. You know, and you know you're anthropomorphizing the the mount into your own humanistic aspects. You can't dissociate your mind from that. But you know, if you're gonna do it the best way, and you're gonna give that thing the the most respect, you know, it's you're gonna be going so hardcore, and you're gonna be using all of your skill, and you're gonna be doing it in the most authentic way. And I think that's one of the things that's different than most other forms of art is because. This one is truly mixing it because, I mean, yeah, you could kind of get abstract with it if you wanted to. Some people do, you know, incorporating crystals and stuff. But, like, if you're going to do taxidermy as a tra like traditional taxidermy, you're going to be recreating life as it is and bringing it into an urban aspect, basically, or a, or a, a, a domesticated place. You're going to bring that wilderness into it. And that's not necessarily bad. We do it with everything already, you know, vegan or not or whatever, unless you're living in a cave that you dug yourself or... Uh, even then, we're, unless you're literally living on top of stuff you had no control over killing and just letting yourself sleep under the stars with, you know, buck-ass naked with no tools, like, you're, you, you, there is one way or another that you have Im implicated your f forceful will upon the earth for your gain. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's the human work. We have, we get such huge stigmas about this. And we get this huge, like, oh my god, I can't believe they're tearing up the planet. Like, it's already happening. It's already has happened. It, Happened well before even modern day technology and mining and stuff. It just happens. You have to do it to exist. That's how humans were made. Obviously, or else I wouldn't be talking on this phone. I'd be out there like with this full body of fur and just mangling and 
um, mingling my prey and or being mingled by my predator, whatever, however that would work, and trying to you know find the next woman to impregnate so I, we can continue on as a species. Like th that's that's how we would roll. Like there's so many obvious examples of how we you know use our human human will on, on this earth, and I, I I understand and I respect and I totally believe that we've done it in a completely incorrect way. I just don't think taxidermy is one of those incorrect ways, but. You know, taxidermy is just merely transmuting what was once living into a form of sculpture, you know, in, in, in its own memory. Like I was just saying, you know, it's the same as decomposition, you know, how we reclaim plastics, even wood furniture, things like that. You know, everything in this world is in a constant state of changing. Everything. Um, books, TV, humans, ob every single object, every single aspect of this earth is, is going through a state of change. You might think like, oh, it's not living, but it doesn't have to be living to be, you know, un you know, changeable. It, it's absolutely, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's just everything changes. Everything ages, time, you know, mountains change, concrete fades. Um, you know, it's, it's like, we're going to take, you know, we'll take aging specifically, you know, things, you know, how they morph through age. Um, you know, you take, you take any object, anything, even a mechanism, even a clock, and over time, not just the the physical aspect of this clock is going to change. It's going to get brittle. It's going to get sun bleached. It's going to get, you know, there's going to be structural weakness. There's going to, you know, be all these things that happen to it. You know, dust develops. It can be a dusty clock. It's no longer just a clock. It's a dusty clock. Also, our cultural and personal viewpoints of these objects change as well. You know, that clock, I could look at this clock that I'm looking at right now, 10 years from now, and I'm, I'm going to say that, oh, that's such an outdated clock. That's such an old clock. Look at that clock. It's like, is that clock from the 2010s? Really? Ew, gross, you know? We, you know, things change in so many different ways. Um, you know, taxidermy is just purely taking a piece of the animal that would be used in one set way and interrupting that, that process but only to prolong that effect that Hamill has in this world. So taking the skin, the antlers, part of the skull, part of the teeth, whatever, instead of letting it just become decomposed and, and become part of the, the earth again, just to be reused into a tree or anything like that, you know, just, you know, something natural, something okay as well. We're just taking it and we're literally interrupting that process. That's still going on, but it's, it's not hurting that area's decomposition. If that animal is taken out of that context, you know, and we're just purely, taking and letting it have a further impact as it was we're literally just kind of like it's like this kind of secret to immortality you know just get stuffed <laughs> i guess you know having having that extinct tiger in the museum prolongs its experience in in the in in, in the earth you know it's, its memory continues to go on and we have a better context and have a better way of understanding this world with it mm, excuse me you know, taxidermy isn't so much a crude example of ego or violence towards nature, but really a calm, respectful resurrection of the vestige of that was once a magnificent life. You know, we tend to really think in these violent ways that taxidermy is this brutal desecration of life, that we we take this because we're we're, we're these egotistical animals and and and, and uh, barbarians and barbaric barbarians and we just tend to just 
take over everything and want to use it for our own selves. And, you know, it's about the self, about the human overcoming nature. It's, it's really not like that, especially nowadays. It might have, I mean, obviously some people do use it as such, you know, whether they're even scientists or hunters, like obviously, you know, we all have egos at some point and some people do use this, but you know, especially when it comes to, you know, I'm going to ignore hunter taxidermy altogether. And we're going to go to the kind that's in museums, but especially like, like Victorian era, the older stuff, the stuff that became, that came around before this modern technology revolution of social media and cameras and all that, you know, it's just like, you know, they're just as effective at placing the animals in the presence in the world and in our minds, like planet earth or anything like that, you know, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just, I totally rambled there. I'm sorry. No. So like taxidermy is just as good of a, does just as good of a job of placing these animals in our minds and in our, in our, like the context of our earth and our daily life as like things like planet earth or even technology. And sometimes even better than that, because you can really get like this, this biased unit of life that can actually place a physical marker of its existence in your own life. You really can. I've said that. I've repeated this six times now. You know, you may not really know that behavior, but you know, you'd re you know, you know exactly how you'd react to the animal. You know, you, you'd look at it, you know exactly what's going on when you see that, that polar bear in its, you know, fighting pose, you, you, you get a sense of that, of that reaction. You know, it's more than just knowing the animals out there. You know, it's, it's knowing how you would react to it and putting yourself into it. That's where, you know, the eagle kind of comes from is you're putting yourself into that context. But especially when it's in a museum, you're learning, you know. And if somebody takes this and runs with it and all of a sudden, you know, taxidermy's banned except for the museum kind, that, that, I mean, I, that's a hard pill to swallow. But, like, that's that'd still be okay. I still think it's completely, you know, uh, valuable. You know, and it's... <laughs> It's tough because I'm sure some people are going to be like, yeah, we can still have taxidermy. We can still have these things. But you know what? We have so much technology and art that we can recreate these animals without even having to use their their substance. And I just don't think that would work the same. I really just don't think that it would be the same if we had a zebra sculpture that was painted and like got maybe kind of some faux fur on it. I, I don't think that would work the same. I, th I think you know the younger generations wouldn't know. But I think the second you learn that that's not a real animal made of real substance, it loses its edge. It loses its ability to Im implicate itself on your life. It becomes art. It doesn't become taxidermy. It doesn't become educational. It just purely becomes a sculpture. And that's okay. It has different, you know, it has different purposes. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset if a museum didn't have a hand on some rare animal, you know, it had to have a recreation that has its purpose too. But I don't believe that it has as impactful as one because you're not seeing, and you, you know, you're not seeing something that was real. I was once living. You see the human, the man-made thing. If we're really truly kind of trying to learn about nature and trying to respect nature, I think that this that keeping the skins on animals and things like that would be the way to do it because you're actually seeing something that once existed. You're you're seeing the resurrection of the vestige of what it once was. That vessel it's being filled up once again in the most um, the most succinct and powerful way. You can't you can't do the same thing with a sculpture. You just really honestly can't like even with uh, recreated bones, you know, once you see that, you know, the skeleton of this dinosaur was uh recreation, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess what, that's what it looks like, but I wish I could have seen the real thing. I'm sure that's a thought tons of people have had, and I'm sure some people haven't, you know, they're like, Oh, this is good enough. But you know, that's why we have these, it, it, 
it, it's just like seeing a, a fake piece of jewelry or like a, um, some like rhinestones representing the Queen of England's crown. You know, it's, it's not the same thing. You get an idea what it's looking at, but it doesn't have that same effect. It's a similar thing, that physical narrative that we need. You know, it's 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 really just a, the best education tool to really put yourself into the reality of life. Um, I feel like I'm rambling. I'm on here. I'm kind of repeating myself. So I'm going to move on. And so it's like, it's also like we get to learn of these extinct animals like the dodo. You know, how would you fully appreciate what we had done and how, how big of an impact we've had on this earth from just a video of a drawing or even a video of a picture or a video of a taxidermy mount or a video of a, a sculpture of a dodo? How could you really learn what we've really done? We, we do this all the time. We make videos for everything, and it doesn't always work. You know, yet you put somebody into that physical aspect, you know, becoming face-to-face with a, an extinct creature, and you know that those feathers once were full of life, and then that beak still had, you know, a purpose for this animal. You know this. You can see this. You, you get that. You can really empathize and not just sympathize with the, the plight of the creature. You know, it's we wouldn't be able to just just know and appreciate and like try and learn, and, and we wouldn't have this culture that we've had of keeping this world the way it is and wanting to keep wildlife if we didn't have taxidermy at certain points. You know, we couldn't really prolong the legacy of these animals. You know, even you know, why would we even give a shit about the dinosaurs if we didn't have their bones? You know, what if mammoths? We never saw their skins, never saw their 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 horns we wouldn't we wouldn't know they existed you know especially you know and and we wouldn't and we'd just be guessing you know if we weren't able to have these relics you know i mean fossils are great and all but obviously you know they don't give the full picture we don't know what the skin of the dinosaurs looked you know it's there's contentions between people that you know you know from my generation below you know we're like oh dinosaurs were scaly and they're reptile and nowadays they're like yeah they're reptile and scaly but they also had feathers and that rubs me wrong, but, you know, we, we just don't know. We have all these speculations. We have all these assumptions, and, you know, we have all these egos of being like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I know this because I studied this, and I'm, I'm sure they had feathers, you know, and we're getting better at being able to tell what is what, but unless we actually went back, we wouldn't know. But with taxidermy, we've saved a lot of animals from going through that similar experience of not of us not knowing what they actually looked like and have to speculate. We've, we've, we've cut out a lot of mysticism, mystical mysticism, whatever that word is around them, you know, and I'm going to go into hunter taxidermy now, and it's kind of a really bad rap. And it probably still will, even after I, you know, discuss some people, but you know, you take the same context and feelings of seeing an animal in a museum and all that wonder and all that mystery and, and, creative thought that goes on onto that of the life of that animal you know you're looking at that animal and you're saying oh i can only imagine you know even in this plastic uh african savanna like how this lion would have survived and would have done this you know i could see how this skin would move with real muscle and bones you know and you you can see that you take all of that and you put that into your home you know i can't speak for everybody but ab- about this but you know you put that in your home and you're not remembering your own ego you're remembering the experience you're remembering that animal as it was and all that even spiritual connection to the earth and to yourself and to that animal in there you're remembering all of that and like i said i can't speak for everyone 
you know, because some people do hang their ego on a deer's rack. But that's not the real reason that we have these taxidermies on our wall. We don't have these mounts. You know, it isn't an actual accomplishment. The accomplishment has already happened. You know, your volleyball trophy in your room doesn't make you a terrible, horrible person that loves to diminish the spirits and, and, and hard work of other teams or people. You know, that you're an egotistical maniac, uh, maniac, you know, maniac overachiever, you know, but you put in the work and you accomplish that something and that that memento, that that trophy reminds you of that moment. You're looking at that and you're saying, oh, my God, my team, we work so hard. Or if it's wrestling, you know, it's individual or tennis or whatever. It's an individual thing. Like I did that. I achieved that. That was something that I had done now remembering all those that hard work and all those moments, you know, and obviously there are some people that said, oh, I won this trophy and they put all their heart into the trophy. But for the most part, people don't really tend to do that. You know, the trophy is just a reminder. That's why they call it a memento. You know, and it's like, um, you know, the skull on the den's mantle does the same thing. I mean, yeah, there's violence and it's a completely different aspect than volleyball. I mean, you're not killing anybody and putting their spine up on your on your doorway or anything like that, anything crazy like that, you know, but that's really not the point. All that pain, the effort, that sweating, that even the, even just the setting of the, of the place, you know, the money saved, the work done. Like there's so much work that goes into hunting. You don't just go in and you just start shooting things. You have to put in work. You know, you scout out the areas, you scout out the trees, the individual trees, the individual uh, beds of the animals. You, you, you pattern them. You do all this work for years sometimes, you know, even the, only, the the blood that the, the hunters spilt themselves, you know, falling on a cliff, cutting themselves on an accident to, to achieve this, you know, that all that ever work done, you know, it's all wrapped up into that mount, you know, done for the right reasons. Keeping animals or quote unquote trophy from a hunt is really not a problem. You know, I wouldn't want my children to not have a medal from their wrestling tournament or their volleyball tournament or anything. You know, it's, I, w- I wouldn't want to take that away from them. I wouldn't want to take any experience for myself that I could have. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to put their ego into it either. I wouldn't want them to relive the experience and put themselves above others or above even nature with a with a trophy mount. But I want them to have I would want them to have that connection and that reminder of how they experienced it and how they overcame their own personal challenges and they overcame. Yes, they 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 triumphed over nature, but through more of a synonymous experience they they did what they overachieved their own struggles that nature has given us and they've accomplished something humbly that nature humbled them to the point that it allowed them to take something from it you know just like you know in sports and stuff you humble yourself enough to have sportsmanship and hard work and dedication and you don't get your let your ego get in the way you end up winning more and you end up have being able to have a memento from that experience um, you know, it's another thing is that it's it's built into us humans to keep physical narratives with us, not even not even around us, with us. You know, we used to, you know, even keeping it on our bodies or our clothes, you know, just like with tattoos or with piercings or with, you know, certain clothes, you know, your grandfather's this or this particular thing I bought with this particular person. You know, it, it's not going to stop. This, this physical narrative, it's not going to stop. That's, you know, even videos and stuff are kind of a physical narrative. We love to see these things unveloped. You know, that's why we've carved into wood. We've carved into bone. We've carved stories into rock. We love these physical narratives. And especially at the time before writing, quote unquote, you know, tr- 
prehistoric or uh, pr primitive taxidermy was a huge thing. You know, native cultures, you see, you know, they, they take things and they recreate it or they use it for their art and stuff, it's, it, you know, for the narrative of a story. You know, we all see it. There's no way you can tell me that the, the, the pottery that you built and the reason you keep it and didn't sell it was because you just, you didn't want that story with you. You didn't want that with you. You know, it, to me, it's very, storytelling is so important to me and physical narrative is too you know you can't just you know word of mouth you know how much more impactful will it be you know because that's also it's also kind of a proof proof to yourself proof to others you know i mean obviously anything can be faked and lied about still but like if it's so much more believable to look at somebody and say hey i won this tournament here you know here's this picture here's this actual trophy that i gained in this moment here's the scar i got from this here's the here's the here's the animal that i took that i harvested from the land after all my hard work, you know, you can't, you cannot replace the physical narrative with pictures or with videos, you know, they're, they're just like I said, you know, they're another aspect to the narrative and they can give a bigger in-depth thing to the behavior and in the moment. But the physical narrative of a memento is, is just as powerful, if not slightly more powerful to storytelling. It transmutes a different feeling and a more universal meaning because a picture can be interpreted in many ways, but a physical aspect of something can only be interpreted so many different ways, especially when there's physical proof and like clues to, to what happened to that object, you know, and I'm going to conclude and here, and I'm just going to kind of wrap up everything I said, you know, it, you know, you can still believe that taxidermy is evil. Taxidermy is bad. That it's this and that. But what you do have to understand that it still has an aspect in the world and we shouldn't sit there and try and shut down taxidermy not only does it bring life and happiness to people and you know some people's way of living it's it, it is a kind of an economy booster there is a huge market for it there's a lot of money that goes into it and that can support a lot of things just like people you know especially if you're focused on you know if you're a person that believes that there should be more jobs you know this is a way that you know both scientifically and creatively you or like kind of like you know you can be artistically and then secularly not entertained but also fulfilled in a way, I'm not sure if that's the right word to use, but, you know, it's something that can give fulfillment to a lot of people, you know, not even just monetarily. You know, it's a hard business to be in, but it has all these impacts on these earth, on this world, and it's a traditional thing. You know, and I know some people are going to be like, oh, traditions don't have to be a thing, but, you know, what's, why Why are we so obsessed then? I, every time I go into Target, every time I go into Walmart, there's all these fake mounts, and there's all these, like, decorations and decor and you know golden or white or bronze you know all these deer mounts and all these like little 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 sculptures of deer heads that go on your wall or your tub or anything or there's all these prints of deer we're becoming re-obsessed with this victorian era type of kind of decoration or we're becoming obsessed with taxidermy once again you know even the real sense and this fake sense you know we're buying it you know and it's you know, yeah, you can say, yeah, you can just get a fake one made. You can just get, you know, this cool dinosaur one, or you can make your own dragon one. But it's, you know, it's it's not, it's absolutely not the same. There's no reason why somebody, if they're willing to do the work and enlighten themselves and rise above their own experiences and rise above others, you know, that we shouldn't let them accomplishment, you know, have that accomplishment and have that token of of that accomplishment. You know, we, we shouldn't get in people's way. You know, there's so many people that resist one another's ascension through their own personal journey you know it's it's you know we don't blame somebody for working out that they're being 
a total douchebag for wanting to improve their body, you know, lose weight to gain muscle to do anything like that, you know, until their behavior changes. But we don't we don't judge them for wanting a better thing in their life, just like we shouldn't judge somebody that, you know, wants to stay inside and enrich their mind more than their body through film, through books, through TV, through through art or anything, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same different aspect. There's no reason that we shouldn't be able to, you know, aspire what we want. And, you know, taxidermy is just something that isn't bad. It, it doesn't interrupt anything in nature, you know, it interrupts a single experience. It interrupts a single organism. Absolutely. You know, it interrupts a single example of decomposition of the earth and of the earth's skill. But we humans, we have the ability and we have the power and we have the designation and the, and even, quote-unquote, the dominion over nature to do this. We, we can, absolutely can. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you shouldn't do certain things just because you can. But, you know, this is something that's kind of symbiotic to nature. There's no reason that we shouldn't be able to connect into nature through this way any more different than anything else. And, you know, if you want to excuse yourself from the violence, if you want to excuse yourself from the harshness of, rea- of, of the reality of nature and our aspect in it, kudos to you. I just... This is more just more of these conversations can be more cautionary tales of just mind your own business, you know, appreciate it for what it is as in the art, if not the actual reason what it is, because there's a lot of things that people that, you know, consider more conservative or more violent or these things that they do that are truly beautiful to nature and make an impact. Some of the things that they do impact your life as somebody who doesn't participate in these things or doesn't like these things. You know, it's not something that you should shut down. It's something that you can appreciate from a distance. Just like I appreciate it from a distance, uh, tofu or being vegan or anything like that. Like I, I couldn't do it myself. I tried tofu once. I, 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 just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like I, but I'm not going to sit there and try to say, you know, we should ban this stuff. We should, this is, this is, this is evil. This is against nature. This is against the human will. This is against the normal human thing. Like I'm not going to do that, you know? And obviously they're way different things, you know, tofu isn't killing animals, but it's it's a similar aspect, you know, just like I was saying, you know, similar way of life you want to lead. Um, other than that, really, I don't really have anything else to say on this topic. So, as always, you guys' you you, um, support and participation is super appreciated. I absolutely love everything that you guys tell me, say to me like share whatever you know i value comments and i value feedback much more than anything else but i do as always appreciate everything else and i hope you guys will continue to do so um like always i'm open to suggestions uh i oftentimes have less than a day to come up with something i'm going to work on for the week you know I, i have a lot to say but i don't want to blow all my my good things at the end so if you guys have a suggestion of something you always want to listen to and listen to my rambling thoughts about and you know, value my opinion on things, uh, absolutely. Send me a message. Send me on Instagram. Send me on Facebook. Uh, both of Paula's thoughts. I'm I'm there. Um, I'm going to be posting this next week's question here on Monday after I find a topic and something to talk about, you know, so look forward to that. Uh, you know, post your comments, post your thoughts right down below or, you know, send me a direct message about them and I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I will have time to respond to you 100%. Um, but other than that, I I think I'm going to close this out. So uh, once again, send me feedback and I'll appreciate it. And at some point, I'll be able to give shout outs as soon as I get enough enough of it. So if you guys want shout outs to your personal pages or anything like that, thinking that I have a big enough audience, please send it to me. So with that, um, 
I will see you guys next week. So uh, if there's anything you guys want, have wanted to do for a long time, go ahead and do it. Jump on it. Go ahead. Seize your moment. Seize your day. Do whatever. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Um, do something noteworthy, even if it's only to yourself. Yeah.